This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. It's a good day. You got the NFL Combine happening, Dave. At least you and I will be entertained. We love it. We love watching the 40s and the drills and everything else going on. And we get mocked by other people calling us freaks. Really? <laughs> yeah, people. I, I imagine Graz hated it. Oh, couldn't stand it. He didn't like anything that didn't take place in the regular season. So if it was OTAs, if it was training camp, if it was preseason football, what do I care? I don't know what I'm watching. <laughs> Who cares? Let me know. So, yeah, that included oh, this. He, he just called me a psycho for watching this stuff. But yeah. I I love it. And we're the last three players they've had running the 40 is uh, virtually impossible to say their names unless you're a fan of the team. How about this guy? That's really nice. Robert, Robert Beal. Yeah. I appreciate his we, name. We like that. I like, draft him. He's hey, out of Georgia. So. There's no more Mike, Bobs, and Dave. No, right? no, no. There are a lot of letters. A lot. Of, yeah, there's a lot going on with those names. So uh, hopefully nicknames will take over for some of those guys. Cause I, I, nicknames. Yeah, I, I pity the uh, play-by-play guys until they get used to that. <laughs> well, I got to say that Rabel and I, and I, I know it's morbid, but... I'm like, thank God they scratched this guy today, and they didn't because of the name. This guy, yeah. yeah. Because uh, and speaking of, uh, you know, you're talking about Graz, people that we we love and miss. Yeah, the professor. One time, uh, I can't remember the name. Uh, it was like Bakhtatari or Tui or something Baitai, whatever. <laughs> and he tried to muscle through it, which he always would. And yeah. uh, and Rabel, so he throws it back up to the booth. He's doing the sidelines down there and throws it back up to Rabel. And Rabel's like, nice try, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd go head first into it, man. He'd run right into that yeah. wall. He didn't care. He, he wasn't scared. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, there's some uh, some interesting names that are up there on the screen. And you appreciate a, a Dave, a Mike, a Bob. Not a, not a Yannick and Guku. Yeah, he, that one seems easy compared to some of the ones we've seen. <laughs> that was my the first time I called a game was in the regular season was Jacksonville and unique in Gawkway. Yeah. I was like, I, I always remember that one. Yeah. But John couldn't get that one right. No. In Goku. Yeah, it was it was good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well coming up we'll we'll talk about what's going on with the with the NFL, everything happening there. Our buddy Paul Moyer will join us at three o'clock as he does every week. The John Schneider show will happen at four o'clock. He'll join us from the Combine. We're not in person this week. He's out there in Indianapolis. So we will talk to him at 4 o'clock. Stay tuned for that. And then Mike Salk will join us at 2.30. He's out there, Brock and Salk, broadcasting all week from spring training. So get a progress report from him, How who's looking good, who's worrisome, what's great, what's not. Yeah, we talked to Brock the other day. We got boots on the ground there. It's kind of nice to, to catch up with those guys down there and, you know, see see what's going on and kind of some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, that uh, that you get an ch- opportunity. Like I said, our table is going to be like right outside where the guys walk out every day. So it's it's really cool. Well, and I'm, I'm really counting on better weather because somebody tweeted out a picture of them this morning uh, and they had the beanies on, full down coat. I guess it was really cold this morning and they, they looked very, very cold. And I, they spoke with Jerry DePoto. We'll play some of that later. But even he had a beanie on. So it looked, really. looked to be a little... A little Jerry, frosty out there. You mean Jerry covered his hair? He did. He's got fantastic hair. He's got a luscious head of hair. <laughs> Him and Pete Carroll, I tell you what. He's going to yeah. be like Pete Carroll. His hair will go Tell gray, me. but it'll still just be thick and full and, yeah. and lustrous. 
So good for you them. You don't put a snow hat on that head of hair. Well, so. you know it's cold then. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll play some of that later. But meanwhile, uh, Julio is, is a guy that's obviously got on everybody's radar, which is it's so interesting. He was a big deal here last year. Obviously, we were anticipating his arrival and what's he going to be. And we've talked about expectations. Be, and mine were kind of unfairly based on what happened with Kelnick. Just going, you yeah. know what? This guy's 21 years old. He's, he's a kid. This is his first taste of the big leagues. He's probably going to scuffle a bit. Maybe he'll get sent down. He'll come back up, get sent down again. Maybe, you know, just right. try not to put expectations on him. And boy, did he prove me wrong. Not that I thought it wasn't a prediction. It was more just preparing myself. Yeah, because, you were giving him a break, right? Because of, yeah, because yeah. Kelnick, we watched come up and he's, he had all the spotlight and all the hype and he, he just didn't live up to it. And he struggled and he, he'd go down, come back up and... So I thought, all right, let's be let's be fair to the kid. Let's be fair to Julio and not, you know, expect this guy to be Ken Griffey Jr. And he turned out to be something similar to Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> when it was all said and done. I mean, he, he caught the imagination of not just Seattle fans, but just the baseball world. He became a superstar coming out of that home run derby. And I think people forget he didn't win it. Right. But he was by far and away the biggest story coming out of there. And it was just a different a different level of attention that came to him after that, not just because of that, but I think a lot of the fans that are, you know, baseball so regional, you know, who's paying attention to the Mariners if you're a Pirates fan or if you're, you know, on the East Coast and you're rooting for the, for a National League team out there, you're a Phillies fan or something. You're not yeah. paying attention to the Mariners. So no. I think that put him on everybody's radar. Yeah, because he's the big guy. He's got the big smile, the whole thing. And, you know, you, you were just real quick, Bob, you were talking about expectations. Maybe Kelnick did him kind of a solid because, you know, you look at his, his April numbers the at the very beginning of the season. Yeah, it wasn't great. Not good. Not really that good. 205. He did not hit a single home run. Uh, he had six RBIs, and, you know, 205 was his batting average. What was his on base? Uh, on base was 284. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and but we, we kind of were like, 21 years old. Yeah, yeah. Nobody was panicking. You know, you're kind of like, yeah, this is – and even then you saw, all right, this guy's getting worked at the plate. He was. I mean, these, these umps are doing him no favors. So. That was in April, wasn't it? Yeah, that early. was early. He was just – it was. It felt like one bad strike three call after another. Yeah. And, and to see what he turned into, not just in terms of a player for the Mariners, but what he turned into in terms of a figure in baseball, is it's amazing. And now he comes into this season, he's on the cover of – I don't know which video game it is, and you know he's got he's coming in as the rookie of the year, and he, he he just everybody knows who he is now. He is one of the faces in the game. He's not the fate, but he's one of them. Mm-hmm. And he's you know with that comes a lot of different opportunities and potential pitfalls, and everybody wants a piece of you and it, your time and whatever it is. And he was talking with Brock and Salk, and they asked him about the best advice he's he's received in this past year here he is talking about that it's about i feel like setting your boundaries i feel like that's something that i've learned like throughout the off season too i feel that's something that huge i feel like people don't really realize how important it is kind of setting your boundaries setting what's important for you setting what's like making sure people know what's your priority and if they don't respect that then they don't respect you and they don't respect your dreams so people that respect you and that care about you and that love you and you express that to them, they're going to be like, okay, go on. 
and keep doing your thing. Mm. People that don't, that they think about themselves and they're selfish, they're going to be mad about that. Mm. So I feel like that's something that I really learned, and I hope a lot of people out there learn that too. Set your boundaries, set your priorities, and stick to your ways, stick to your dreams, and don't let anybody get in the middle of that. Wow. I, that's impressive. Yeah. I would make fun of Brock, except I do the same thing. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, mm. Oh, really? Yesterday mm, it was, yeah. mm. it was more of an exaggerated, <laughs> mm. Yeah, but I mean, he's sitting right there looking at Julio, and I got to imagine, you know, that usually that means something's going good. You know, when the interview's going good, when you're going, oh, mm, I can't contain yourself. <laughs> but that does not sound like a 22-year-old guy. I mean, that's... No, he sounds very wise. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, last year, remember, he was just like a puppy dog, you know, just like, you know, hey, I'll do everything. You know, he went over and didn't he... There was some tweet where he took a picture with somebody, a fan or something. Yeah, oh, he's a bunch of those, you yeah. Know? And he's running around doing all of these different things. And, you know, at the time, we're like, okay, this guy, you know, he's doing it right. He's, he's, he's cool about it. And now, all of a sudden, yeah, you worry about him. And that's something we talked about a lot last year was that going into the offseason like kind of you know everybody's going to want a piece of julio in in some way shape or form and you know that's that's something that's really important to manage and he is uh he's getting some good advice there obviously because like i said he sounded like a 50 year old man yeah he sounded like a just a sage old wise guy who's been in this game yeah. you know talking here's what i tell the young guys you know and he just he just turned 22 at the end of december yeah i like that he said that I'm yeah yeah uh, here he is talking about uh ichiro gave him advice on handling the attention obviously ichiro ichiro had the advantage of of the language barrier it's a it's a disadvantage and an advantage to where you know, people weren't going to approach him in a, as much as they would to somebody who speaks English fluently. You know, that was his sort of wall he could hide behind if he wanted to. Ichiro mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. Julio doesn't really have that luxury. So here's the, the advice that Ichiro gave him. I talked to Ichiro about it. Uh, I was curious and I asked the question and he basically said things along the line that people, people might look at you different, but you can never look at yourself different. And that's, whenever he told me that, I kind of clicked in my head. It's like, okay, whoever whoever wants to see me different because of what I'm doing on the field, what I'm doing off the field or whatever, that's their deal. And the way that I look at myself and the way that I go about my work and the way that I go about my practice, about my preparation all that, that's my deal and that's my choice. And that doesn't, that cannot be impacted by anybody or by any, any other way that the people is looking at me. Mm -hmm. So I feel like whenever he said that, it kind of shocked me. I said, okay, people's perspective about me can change. They can look at me different, but what I see about myself and where I want to go can never change. And that's something that I really took to heart, and I'm going to keep living by it. Yeah, that's, I mean, he's saying all the right things, man. It's a, you know, you worry about a kid that young, again, just turned 22 at the end of December, got the huge deal. He's, he's got generational wealth coming his way now. Never have to worry unless he's crazy with his money. Uh, but, you know, how do you handle it? You've talked about, man, uh, you know, people get weird when they get a lot of money and they get this kind of fame and attention. And he's getting it so fast. One year in the league, he's already signed a, a, a decade-plus-long deal. He's going to, you know, for hundreds of millions of dollars. He's, he's everywhere on TV and he's on the cover of this and he's at this event. And, you know, that's a lot to handle and process as a 22-year-old kid. I don't... You know, at 22, I don't know what I would have been like. Probably 
probably just, you know, swimming in it, just going, yep, I am great. This is great. You're right. I am great. You would have gone out. <laughs> you would have gone out and uh, bought a uh, a private jet and f- and flown the rest of your band around That's right. the country. That's probably. right. And it would have been loaded with faucets that had nothing but hand sanitizer coming out of them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would have customized the jet. <laughs> Everybody have to take their shoes off before they come into the jet. I thought you were going to say like beer or something. You know, champagne. <laughs> Bob goes with hand sanitizer. <laughs> Is All that right. weird? Hey, you know, yeah, see, yeah. you you would have been weird. Yeah, I would have called you a weirdo. I, but it wouldn't have been from the money. I was already weird. But, yeah, it's – it's and, and part of that is – and you know this, even, you know, when you're playing, I'm sure the people that you've interacted with at some point in your life but had no real connection to, whether it's a buddy, a school schoolmate, a, a family member you've never seen or didn't know you had, they those people tend to show up. We yeah. hear that story – over and over and over about these young guys and when they come into money and when they sign a contract that all of a sudden, hey, I'm your third cousin on your mom's side. And yeah, you, we, you know, everybody wants to be in the circle and they want a piece of you and they want, you've yeah. got to, I would imagine you had to do it and everybody had to do it. Be very careful about who you let in and who, wait, you weren't here before. You're not going to be here now. Yeah. Well, I had that face. Uh, my mom bought me uh, oh, yeah. a shirt that says, I'm not angry. This is just my face. So that that kind of you think discouraged. That certainly didn't help uh, as far as uh, getting a girlfriend. But uh, Did you get calls from people, though? Like, eh, hey, man, really. we were in sixth grade together. <laughs> I never, yeah, I wasn't that that big of a, you know, in the NFL wasn't as big of a deal. I mean, the, comparing my career to, to Julio's is yeah. sort of ridiculous. But, you know, uh, there was times where you had to get, you know, tickets for you know, I remember my uncle Jim one time. I got him a ticket in a game at uh, at down with the Chargers in San Diego, and he, I go out to say hi to him, and he's like, "Boy, you sure got ran over by that running back today." I was like, "Oh, did you enjoy the free ticket, Uncle yeah. Jim? Glad I got you in here. This is fun. I love him anyway." But yeah. Uh, but yeah, there there was there's things like that that uh, you know, and and different. Like cultures, you know, or I mean, the the difference in your uh, your family culture. Like, right. Remember the the guy from uh, is it Swift, the big guy from Bakersfield, the redheaded guy uh, who played for the Sonics. Oh yeah, Robert Swift. Robert Swift. Yeah. Yeah, and that was kind of the story with him. I think he came from like Bakersfield or someplace like that, and his, you know, the culture of his his family was like, okay, we're we're all in. We all just made a whole bunch of we're money. We're all rich now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's uh, it's different for for every uh, every player, but I can imagine people coming up with investment. Hey, man, I got a great thing you should invest yeah. in. Are My brains getting... and your money. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> like I've got you. Know, I'm going to get you in on the ground floor of this thing, and just I can imagine the pitfalls that are there for somebody like Julio or any young individual, whether it's a musician, an actor, an athlete. That you know they've got people circling them like buzzards yeah it's going all right here's an opportunity one more from him just talking about who is and this is would be the most crucial part i would think for somebody his age and everything he's got uh in his corner is is who's in his inner circle the first ones are definitely my parents uh guys like kiko peña that he signed me like my agent like people that work with the agency that i keep really tight mm-hmm. my sister like the guy that threw me BP, friend me, there is like a group of people that they're around me that I feel like I kind of came up with them. And we got here basically together and they still being the same people and they still giving me the same advice that I had since I started playing baseball and like that, since I basically started keeping it like more professional. And that's good to hear that it's family, yeah. uh, you know, his agent, the guy that signed him, 
doesn't sound like it's grown the 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 crew the posse whatever you want to call it and and hopefully within that there are people that could that he trusts or has a, a good enough relationship that could go Julio no 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 yeah exactly yeah, Tell don't him don't no. don't say that or don't do that or whatever that they can he's not going to take offense to it that he's not going to get so big that he can't be told no or can't be told hey man that's I wouldn't do that or I wouldn't say that or whatever. Somebody who can be constructive and, and really looking out for his best interests. Yeah, you know, I've, I'd forgotten that they have. Is Ichiro still on staff? Yeah. And, you know, that was uh, that was a pretty uh, good signing there. And, I'm you know, I'm not sure how much they're paying him or anything like that. But, like, you know, we heard stories of him being on the plane, mm-hmm. talking to players, sitting next to different guys and, you know, having conversations, just very wise. And especially in this case, because Ichiro was a huge deal. Right? Well, yeah, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer Yeah, when he's on the ballot. He goes in. That's I mean, he's he's an icon in this sport. He's an icon in this city. And to have access to him to pick his brain about whatever, whether it's just how do I deal with this attention or how do I approach this pitcher or anything. I mean, this that's valuable and it's fun. I think he's a good presence. I think people get a kick out of seeing him out there shagging fly balls and full uniform. He's got the wristbands on, the whole deal. He's, you know, throwing batting practice here and there. It's just his involvement, I think, is huge for them. And it maybe it makes up for the lack of veteran, you know, presence yeah. in, the, in that clubhouse. True. It's a young team. It is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a young team. You don't have those old school veterans. You know, you brought in Santana last year who kind of filled that role. Mm-hmm. Seeger was that guy. Hanniger was that guy. They're both gone. So I think having somebody like Ichiro there is, is very valuable for a team this young. You know, Ichiro, you forget about how amazing he was, but I know Daniel Kramer, we had him on last year, but uh, he wrote a story. Uh, it was 20 incredible facts about Ichiro's career. And don't have time to run him down, but it, it's it's amazing. You forget how good he was. Ridiculous. And some of the some of the crazy, whether it's the throw from right field when he's DOA, <laughs> you know that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's just a lot of really amazing facts. So they totally respect him. But then, yeah, like you said, that it does kind of fill that void of leadership. All right, let's take two. So the defensive linemen are running at the Combine today. You guys mentioned that. But how about this? Pitts, Kalijah, Kansi might not be under the radar any longer after a 4.67 40-yard dash at the Combine today. The fastest time recorded by a defensive tackle since they started tracking these guys in the modern era, they said in 2003. I was watching him because you brought him up. Paul brought him up. Yeah, He's not a name we've heard a lot in the, in the mock drafts. But watching him when he ran his 40... And they, they were showing a picture of him and Aaron Donald, you know, arm in arm. And, and apparently they look exactly the same, the same height. And they said that he came in listed at six feet. Right. And it turns out he's 6'1", right. which usually, usually it's the other way around. Exactly. And what did they say? 285? Yeah. Which, 285. Oh, that seems light. I mean, it's... What is Donald, though? I think he's around there. I think he's a little bit taller. Uh, but he's around 280, 285. It's the quickness. It, it's... It's incredible. Would he fit this defense, though? I don't. I don't that, think so. He goes up. He goes against what we've been well, hearing. Is you need those big KJ. Remember, you need some Al Woods type guys up there. You need more of those guys. If you can get it done there, I mean, it's all about beating this. You know, whoever's trying to block you. Right. And I feel like you know maybe he's one of those guys like we talked about JJ Watt. Remember, Schleier told us you can line him over the center, you can line him over the guard, whatever. I mean, he's he's a problem yeah. because of the quickness, and that's the one thing. You know, you look at offensive linemen; they're big, they're strong, but the quickness is where you know he could he could possibly get them. 
Well, NFL teams have until Tuesday to put the franchise tag on players before then they become free agents, and the Jaguars used it today on tight end Evan Ingram. Meanwhile, we're going to hear from him later. Ravens GM Eric DaCosta. Ooh, well, he's in a little bit of a trouble for something else, but he told reporters at the Combine today that they are hopeful they'll get a deal done with Lamar Jackson before that March 7th deadline. It's interesting just to see where that tag is used and how often it's used. It's more often than not, it's used as an opportunity to buy some time to work out a long-term deal with that particular player. I feel like Kirk Cousins is the one who's just made an absolute haul on being franchise tagged, and he's totally at peace with it. I've read different interviews with him, and hey, yeah, that's what they want to do, and you know, especially with the quarterback numbers being what they are. He's getting every year he's doing it was guaranteed. Then it's, you know, 28 million, then it's over 30 million, and then it's 32.5 this year. And, you know, before he signed his deal, he was the guy that just absolutely embraced the franchise tag and used, okay, no yeah. problem. <laughs> well, and especially if you have something to prove. And that's where, you know, we talked about that possibility with, with Gino. Um, uh, maybe they don't want to do that, but, you know, it would be, he kind of has something to prove still. Yeah. Yep. We'll see. We'll see how the, the free agent market goes for him. But, uh, and we just are getting the sense anyway that and we've talked about it all week that other teams don't appreciate him as much as the Seahawks do. So you put him on a one year tag, he makes more money than he's ever made, probably more money than he even has. And, you know, uh, he it's a prove it deal. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's going to go out there, show everybody, hey, this is for real. Take Two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org slash Cyberknife Prostate. Coming up, we'll get a first-hand update on what our morning show has seen out there at spring training. Mike Salk will join us next year with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Enjoy it. That year's going to go quick, Dave. It's going to go quick. Last year of my 50s. You, I'm enjoying the final years of my 30s. You're enjoying the final years of your 50s. I mean, it's just yeah, a, yeah, it's a weird yeah. thing. It's a weird thing. Is he there? Okay. Um, it is Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710. Spring training is happening. We've got, a, we've got our guys out there front and center. Brock and Salk have been out there. Picture today looked a little nippy, looked a little frosty out there, but he is thought out in time to join us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Host of Brock and Salk, Mike Salk is with us. How are you, man? Well, I'm uh, thawing out. Yes, I think you said it right. I didn't complain once today, Bob. I'm, I'm guessing that's probably not true. It's not even close to true. It was 39 <laughs> degrees throughout the show this morning. It's freezing. Yeah. Wow. That's ridiculous. And I'm not tough. I'm, I didn't play linebacker in the NFL. I, I'm not <laughs> tough at all. I sit here and complain, and, and yeah, it's awful. Well, and I, I was telling Dave, I saw a, a video clip. You guys were talking to Jerry, and the, all of you were wearing the, the beanies, the knit yeah. hat, the ski caps out there. And Dave yeah. said, boy, Jerry covering up that luscious head of hair <laughs> with, a, with a beanie? That must have been cold. No, it's You cold. know, it's unfair, too. Is as soon as he takes his hat off, his hair pops into perfect place. <laughs> like, mine goes in 27 different directions. Jerry takes it off, and it's like, God, what a handsome man. Like, how does that work? How do I get that hair? I don't know. It just goes poof right yeah. back to the... He doesn't own a comb or a brush. It uh, just no, happens. No, he doesn't need it. He just... Darn it. <laughs> well, so you, you guys have had some great interviews out there, and, and there's been some, you know, from, from our perspective, some really cool things happening with the team what stood out to you so far well you know julio stands out you just can't help it he's the story and when you guys get down here in a couple of weeks 
You know, you'll see it as well. Everywhere he goes, he carries himself like the guys. You know the big uh, mural that's right next to where we do our show that has all the Mariners legends on it? Mm-hmm. And you see Junior and you see Ichiro. You know, he's in that category. He's not fully there yet. He hasn't accomplished all that they have. But he's on that trajectory, and he's got the smile, the charisma, the bright eyes, you know, knows what to say. And then he goes out in the game, and you saw it yesterday. He takes a curveball that he kind of missed, and he's just so freaking strong, he drives it out to left field. He just, he's got it all. So Julio would be one, and the other is the most interesting story on the team, which is still Jared Kelnick. Mm. And, you know, I get all the people that are frustrated. I understand everyone who says, you know, I've seen it before. He's hitting the buck 12 or whatever it is. But when you're around him, first of all, I mean, he looks like such a ball player. And he's a thoughtful kid. He's not a meathead. He's not dumb. He's not, you know, the game is not, it's not a mental problem for him. I think there might be some emotional regulation that he's still going through. But when you talk to him, he really has such a great handle on trying to figure it out, who he is, who he wants to be, what the game is, and what he needs to do. I I root for him a lot because I really like him. uh, And I just believe that if he can get this right, I I mean, they don't need him to, to be good this year. But if he does, it's just such a shot in the arm for them. And I think he can. Yeah, it'll solve a lot of problems, man. Uh, what about Evan White? Is he starting to, to sneak into the, the conversation a little he, bit more, Mike? He has to, yeah. He's such an athlete, right? I mean, this is a guy that they paid before he even made it to the big leagues, and uh, we were there when he hit the home run the other day. He's got a nice, smooth swing, but, you know, he's another one. He hasn't done it in the major leagues successfully with the bat. Um, he's coming off two full missed years due to all the injuries. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine he starts at the big league level just because I think they're going to want to – just let him play, right? Just every day, go out, play. Do I think he can help this year? Yeah, I really do. And he's another one, right? They don't need Evan White to be good to have a good season this year. Yeah. But if he is, and he could play first and tie France DHs, or he becomes the right-handed part of that platoon in left field, I mean, how much better does that make them? So I think they've put themselves in a nice spot that way. Yeah, two things on Evan White. First... Watching him play defense, yeah, Dave and I were talking about this. And Ty France, I think, is a very good first baseman. When you watch Evan White, he's special. He just is. It, you just see the difference, and that's not a knock on France at all. Mm-hmm. Two, the other thing you just brought up, they, you know, we've heard them talk about you know getting, getting him some turns in the outfield, taking some reps out there. That seems counterintuitive to me for a guy that's had the lower body injuries he's had. He had the hip issue. I mean, he's been banged up all over the place, and you're going to ask him to play, even though he's an athlete, play a position that requires more, more stress and planting and cutting and running into the wall and all that. That doesn't seem the best idea for somebody who's struggled with injuries as much as he has. I can't argue with that. I mean, it makes perfect sense what you said, Bob. But, you know, if I'm Evan White, I'm saying, hey, just let let me play. Sure. I just want to be in the big leagues. And if the only spot to do it right now is in left field, great. And if that's my way to get there, awesome. But I agree. I mean, the the perfect scenario, if he really does hit, is that he's playing first base and Ty France is DHing and you're kind of mixing and matching those guys in there a little bit. I I mean, I think they would love for that to be the case. I don't know whether it's going to happen. But it would be a dream scenario for the Mariners. Mike, it's awesome where you guys are sitting there. You get a chance to not only, you know, talk to guys and you get a chance to, you know, just chat with them and things like that, but you also kind of get a little bit of a sense for the the culture, you know, what's the what's the mood. We've heard that this is a team that is going into the season expecting to win. You you picking up on, on any of that? Did you did, do you ever play on a team that was coming off a playoff appearance? 
yes. And what was yeah. the mood like the next year in the in the in the locker room? I felt like in football, it just everything gets erased, <laughs> and you're you're starting over, like you're building the whole wall all over again. I don't get that sense here. It makes perfect sense just based on the differences between the sport. Yeah, these guys are just there's just a confidence level, and it's not arrogance. It's not obnoxious. Nobody here feels like they've already gotten there, and they don't need to work hard. They seem to have, and I've been sort of using this phrase like the mission is incomplete. They mm-hmm. accomplished the first part last year, and there's more to do. So that stands out. They're pretty focused. But I think what jumps out even more than that is, A, how many good dudes are on this team? And you guys are going to see it. You're going to want to talk to everybody. And be like, hey, do you want so-and-so? Yes, they're fun to talk to. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be done with the interview, and you'll be like, man, that guy was great. Wow, Teoscar Hernandez smells great. It's super nice. <laughs> like, awesome guy. That's Brock that probably said that. Actually, no, I think it was Curtis who first said that at, at the media day, and so I asked him about it today. <laughs> he says he just naturally smells good, so I don't know what's going on wow. there. But a lot of good guys, and then I think the other thing you'll notice is how many of the quieter guys from a year ago aren't so quiet anymore. We just got done talking to Cal Raleigh, which we'll play tomorrow. He said more words in his first answer than in a full interview last year. Logan Gilbert, same thing. Matt Brash, same thing. I haven't talked much to George Kirby, but Shannon was saying the same thing is true for him. Just all of these young guys that just are now feeling like they belong and have come out of their shell a little bit and can really, you know, you start to explore who they are and personality-wise. I mean, I don't know. I, I was never a great athlete, but I played some pickup basketball in my day. When you feel confident and comfortable with the people around you, I just think you're such a better player than when you feel nervous or like you're not as good as them or you don't belong, and that can only be good things for this team. Hey, quickly, before we let you go, what uh, is there anything that you look at and go, uh, I'm not sure about this? Anything that's – I know it's so early to, to be concerned about anything, but anything standing out to you that you're, you're still kind of questioning or have some level of concern about? Um, no, honestly, Bob, not, not a ton. I mean, look, what is going to happen in left field? Can Pollock and Kelnick get it done? They've shown it so far. There's no complaints about what they've done, but until they do it in the big league season, that'll remain a question mark. But if they have to go trade for a left fielder, I think they're perfectly capable of doing that. Can Eugenio Suarez repeat what he did last year? I think that's a question mark. But you see him go the other way for a home run today. It's like, well, if he can go to right field like that, then, yeah, maybe it is completely sustainable. So, I don't know. I I don't really have, other than injuries, I don't have a big question or concern about this team other than the ones that we've all sort of talked about. I do have a question for you, though, Bob. Yes. Because we found out today, or yesterday, rather, that they have a little singing group here. Eugenio mm. sings. Uh, I'm told that Harry Ford plays the saxophone. Mm. I forget who it is on the guitar. What are the chances we could get you and Eugenio to duet while you're down here? Depends on the song. Okay. Well, you could yeah. work something out with them, don't you think? Maybe. Yeah. I'm, I'm open pay, to it. I would pay to see that video. That would be <laughs> awesome. I love when Bob sings. He's got a great voice, and apparently so does Eugenio, and apparently so does Harry Ford. So that's what really? we've learned down here. Well, yeah. I've Plan- heard Bob sing the uh, Pepto-Bismol uh, <laughs> song very it often. Nice. It was stuck in my head, Mike. It just I wow. come in the doors just smiling ear to ear, just going... Diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. that's great. Well, that's Dave. Now you're speaking Dave's language. Oh, that, yeah, is, yeah. that is a Dave Wyman special. That, that, right that warms his heart. Also, anyway. they have a Wyman on this team. I, I don't know who he is. It might be pronounced Weeman, but when I see it, I see Wyman. So, you, you notice his number? Uh, no, I'll have to take a look. For 92. That. 
Is that true? That's yeah, Dave's, he's that's also number ninety-two. Same that's number. remarkable. I think he, I think he went in and stunk it out the other day. But uh, you know, that's, that's that's all right. Hey, how are the real quick? How are the living uh, arrangements down there, uh, Justin? What do you think? How are the living arrangements? I'm staying with my parents. Justin says oh, it's a ten okay. out of ten. Ten okay. out of ten. Okay. Ten right. out of Bob ten. and I are going to be in. Bu- we're going to make our beds into bunk beds. Yeah, when we get there's going to be a lot of room for gonna, activities. You guys are going to have a blast. I wish I could stay. I don't want to come home. I just love it. <laughs> yeah. Have fun while you're out there, man. You guys sound great, and we we appreciate you taking a few with us. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks. See you, man. There you go, Mike Salk, Brock. Heward out there, Brock and Salk all week. So uh, they've got some great interviews. Talked to Julio, talked to Kelnick. He said they talked to Cal Raleigh today. I guess you'll hear that tomorrow. So, yeah, check that out. Really good stuff coming out of there. And then we'll be out there uh, starting on the 20th, right? Is that a Monday? 20th yeah, is our 20th first day. Is our first anyway, day out there? Yes, 20th through 24th. Yeah, so we'll be out there uh, doing the same thing. All right, coming up, uh, we got some insight from another NFL GM on why the market seems a bit quiet for Geno Smith. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks to Mike Salk. Joined us in the previous segment. He and Brock are out there all week at spring training covering the action where the Mariners are uh, getting ready for the season. This is the season that comes with a lot of expectations, so we're all excited about that. And then we will be out there at the end of uh, March, March 20th. We will start our coverage out there, so that's going to be fun. Meanwhile, uh, we've got the combine going on. We've got, you know, rumors going on. You hear this whispers about, not even whispers, you see different stories being written about Teams being interested in this guy, and this guy is going to be franchise tag. And this guy's, I mean, just everything's out there for consumption. The one guy we just have not heard about is Gino. And I mean, we've, what's weird to me about that is we could look at it one way, Dave, and go, well, everybody just assumes he's going to land back in Seattle. But there's more conversation about guys who aren't even available, who aren't free agents. Justin Fields is not a free agent. Yeah. But there's a ton of articles and conversation about where he fits and who the Bears might trade him to. And it doesn't mean it's true, but there just is that conversation. Aaron Rodgers, not a free agent, owed $60 million next year. But there's talks that he'd fit with the Jets. The Jets would love to have him. This team would love to have him. So it's just conversation about Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Fields, uh, Garoppolo. You can go down the list of everybody who's available, but the one name that does not get mentioned is Geno Smith, and we talked to Scott Fitterer yesterday, who's the GM for the Panthers now, longtime front office guy for the Seahawks, and he knows Geno, and we asked him about that. Is that, you know, why do you think that is? Is it that everybody's still in a wait-and-see mode because he was one guy for his entire career, and then this year is he had this year out of nowhere, and everybody's still not sure if it's real or not? Here's what he had to say about that. Most people probably think that Seattle and, and Geno would work it out, and you know, cooler heads will prevail, and I don't even—I don't mean to say cooler heads because I don't know what's going on there. But um, I think most people think that'll work out. However, I, I just don't know. You know, I haven't talked to Gino's guys. I don't haven't talked to John Schneider about it. We'll just see how it plays out. Well, and there he says I haven't talked to Gino's guys. So apparently, <laughs> they're not interested. So yeah, yeah I, I think it's. Uh, well, I don't know if that's exactly what Scott meant, but 
you know, that's it, that's kind of how we're getting our information. The, the other thing, other than the really funny tweet that he sent to Quandre Diggs. That was great, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, and you want to explain it? Because it was like a, some yeah. kind of a trophy or something? Yeah, quickly, there was a picture Gino took of himself with no shirt on in the weight room. It was like a selfie, and he was kind of flexing. And he tweeted something about, you know, working out with the grind or whatever. And then Quandre Diggs responded to it and was took a picture of some weightlifting trophy he had. I don't know when it was from, but he says something about, yeah, get yourself one of these and then we'll talk. And then Gino responded to that one and said, hey, it's even life size. Proud of you, champ. Or something like that. It was, it was very uh, funny. Quandre. Quandre, everybody makes fun of how short he is. Yeah. But a, a little trophy there. It's even life size. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that kind of made me feel better about Gino as well, because, you know, I was mentioning the Twitter stuff. And for a while there, he was like. Yeah, I could be an offensive coordinator anywhere for at any level. And, you know, you just wonder, oh, man, I hope that there's not some kind of, uh, you know, too big of a chip on his shoulder about, yeah. you know, the Seahawks anyway. But, yeah, I mean, that's really how the only place we can go as far as, you know, we're just hearing lots of things from the camps of, you know, Derek Carr and, you know, this whole thing with uh, with Lamar Jackson and, yeah, you know, I'm uh, hearing with Marcus Mariota, Mariota, Garoppolo, mm-hmm. Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Field. I mean, we could go make a huge list of quarterbacks. We've it doesn't mean any of them are true. It's just that there's conversation amongst those writing the stories, those in the middle of it, the 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 guys that are breaking news, and not one of them has mentioned Geno Smith in in connection with any other team in the way of hey, they're this team would be if they don't work things out with Seattle. This is a team that's interested. I mean, that seems like a fairly standard story to write because yeah. you're seeing it with Lamar Jackson. Hey, if the, if they don't, if for some reason they make them available, here are a couple spots where we think, you know, they've got the salary cap, it fits their system, blah, blah, blah. I have not seen anything like that with Gino. Yeah, I, I would I would love to know, like, just all 32 teams, like how these quarterbacks are ranked, the, the ones that are available anyway. I mean, because yeah. if you throw Aaron Rodgers in there, who's not really available, I mean, he blows everybody away, but... I mean, as far as uh, you know, the the guys that are available other than him, it, I, I'm I'm curious where they'd have Geno ranked because you know, like I said, he went to the Pro Bowl. Derek Carr went to the Pro Bowl as well, but yeah, I'm I'm just very curious to see uh, see how that plays out and if there is anybody that's going to make him uh, an offer. But do you think it's kind of a good thing for the Seahawks if it's yeah, sure. if it if it's as it appears to be. That he's not being talked about doesn't mean maybe teams are inquiring. I don't know. Maybe they're calling his agents. But if it is all quiet and only the Seahawks are in the bidding here, they've got the upper hand. Yeah, but I would say this. um, Maybe it's really quiet on him because there are a few teams that aren't saying anything because they, you know, they they don't want to give it away. You know, the whole misdirection thing that... You know, we'll hear a little bit about from uh, from Schneider and, you know, how he approaches that thing at four o'clock. But, yeah, maybe that's what it is. I'm just very I'm very curious with Gino. I think it's he's one of the more interesting uh, free agents uh, coming up here because, you know, that Derek Carr. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, maybe he's a little bit more interesting. But Gino, just based on his career and yeah, his story how it's is. played out, it was maybe one of the better stories in the entire NFL last year, yeah. you know, up there with like Brock Purdy, 
you know, the the Mr. Irrelevant, you know, playing quarterback for the Niners. I mean, yeah, there was a there was a few of those stories, but I thought Geno's was the best. Well, we got Paul Moyer coming up, so don't bring up Brock Purdy because he hates him. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We, but we do have Paul coming up next. We'll get his thoughts on on this whole thing with Geno and the combine and everything else going on. See if he he's a big Mariner fan, as we know. He's got that yeah. whole text group that Dave's not allowed to be a part of. We'll see what he thinks of maybe of you can pay, crack in Bob pace of the game. Uh, I I wouldn't have time to read all those texts that he sends now because the game's moving too quickly. I got to keep an eye on the screen. That's a great. Point. Point. Yeah. Another thing to be bothered about. <laughs> get JP on the line. All right, coming up, we'll get Paul on, get his thoughts on all of that next. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.